0: April 29, 2022. Um, it is an important day in the history of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. I am Lisa Salberg, founder and CEO of the HCMA, here with a live broadcast on Facebook that will become a Tales from the Heart podcast, which you can pick up anywhere you pick up your podcasts. I am joined today by Dr. Melinda Sai of the Cleveland Clinic and a principal investigator in the VALOR study from BMS, And I'm going to ask Dr. Desai to, in this case, be a little bit formal today and provide us with some disclosures before we get started into a conversation about a new drug approved by the FDA yesterday.
1: Thank you, Lisa, and good morning, everybody. And thanks to everybody for joining. I'm Malin Desai. Uh, I'm from the Cleveland Clinic. I direct the HCM program there. Uh, specifically, as Lisa mentioned, I am the principal investigator of the Valor HCM trial, which uh, evaluated uh, Mavacampton, or now Camzyos, in the context of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. My disclosures are as follows. I am a consultant for Bristol-Myers Squibb, and I'm a consultant for Medtronic. Uh, let's get okay. started.
0: Let's get started. So. As we go forward with this um, presentation, I'm going to ask you to hold questions until the end. And at the end, I will we will take some questions from the audience um, and we will answer them as best we can. Um, so, uh, I'm not gonna go over a really long history here, but back in 2014, um, a new company was started with a hope to bring a new medication to the HCM arena. And a first-in-kind drug was started to be developed. That company was Myocardia. It sold to Bristol-Myers Squibb about a year and a half ago, and Bristol-Myers Squibb has taken this to the finish line. And yesterday, the FDA approved what we had previously been calling Mavicampton, and the trade name will now be Camzyos. Did I say that right, Camzyos? Got to get used to that one. So it's an exciting time for everybody in the HCM community. Um, there's a little uh, little excitement, little, little little, bit of nerves going on around the community today as we all like get ready for what this is going to mean for us. So let's start with something called the label. Melind, could you please explain what the label indication for the use of CAMSIOS is within the HCM community?
1: Yes. Uh, good morning again. Uh, thank you. So, Camzios. Yes, I also have to get used to uh, saying that it rolls off nicely, but I still have to get used to that. But uh, at this point of time, the label states that if you have obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, so evidence of gradients and outflow tract obstruction, and you are symptomatic not for asymptomatic individuals, so New York Heart Association class two and three, uh, not advanced heart failure where you are in the hospital and, and have symptoms at rest. Uh, so we call it New York Heart Association class two and three in the setting of obstructive HCM. These are the patients who would qualify for for CAMS-XIOS.
0: So let's take this step-by-step step, for those who aren't used to some terminology, can you tell us what the new york heart association class scale is
1: yes so new york heart association 1 so this has been in 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 place for decades uh, as a way to assess people's functional capacity and this is typically assessed by a healthcare provider so NYHA class, it's commonly called NYHA, New York Heart Association. NYHA class one is when you are asymptomatic. You have no restrictions to anything you do in your life. NYHA class four is where you are, somebody presenting with advanced symptoms. So you have symptoms at rest, or you are hospitalized with advanced heart failure. In between is the is the sweet spot for this drug. NYHA class two is you have mild symptoms uh, you are able to do a lot of things, but when you try to get to your uh, through your day, for instance, you will have symptoms and functional limitation. And, and NYHA class three is you have, uh, so obviously it is in a spectrum, it is more symptoms than where you have NYHA class two, where it is also limiting your ability to do your activities of daily living. So. In my, I like to simplify things for my patients and that's how I look at it. You are not asymptomatic, you're not sick enough to be in the hospital, you are somewhere in the middle.
0: So HCM with obstruction is interfering with your normal life functions and your ability to live the life that you want to live. Uh, Climbing stairs, hills, activities are tiring, you get short of breath, you get dizzy. You get chest discomfort. These are the patients that we're looking at. So let's also be clear as to what we're not looking at on the label right now. non obstructive patients, advanced heart failure patients if you're heading towards transplant. This is not the class that has been approved with this label. And I pause and I say that because I'm getting a lot of questions about, well, when can I have it, I have apical HCM? Like, nope, not now. There is a trial scheduled for later this year for the non-obstructed group. And then there's some other things beyond that. So let's just say if you're non-obstructed, hang on, there'll be clinical trial opportunities for you. For now, we are talking about symptomatic, obstructive, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, outflow tract gradients, 30 or greater, correct? Yes. Okay, and New York Heart Association class two or three. So that's the group of, of people we're talking about. If you're in that group and your ears are perking up, here's some more information that you're going to need to know. The dosing is gonna start at five milligrams, and that is starting point. But this is a very unusual drug because it is going to be dosed based on echocardiography data. And when you look at the label, there is a black box warning. This is really important. Melan, can you tell them what a black box warning is?
1: Yes, so it, especially anytime when a new drug is launched, uh, there, there has to be the right amount of caution that all of us should emphasize and have an understanding of. So FDA, in their appropriate judgment, uh, assigns certain things which they want us to pay extra attention to as black box warning. Uh, so to, to, dive, to, to, dive, uh, to sidetrack a little bit, if you think about aspirin, aspirin has a black box warning in the context of, if you have a GI ulcer, you should not be taking aspirin. So it's a black box warning. So in the context of cam zios Wow. It <laughs> Got it. Uh, in the context of chemzyos, it we have to get to its the its basic mechanism. The basic mechanism it reduces hypercontractility. So in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, your heart squeezes very robustly. So it is designed to reduce that robust degree of squeezing. And sometimes there is a concern raised by the FDA that if this robust sque- uh, re- a reduction in this robust squeezing goes overboard, and it reduces your heart function by a substantial amount. Uh, you can develop heart failure of the other kind, so where you know uh, your heart becomes weak. So the best way to monitor this is by echocardiography, and we will talk about that uh, with uh, uh, in a few minutes. So the black box warning suggests that if you get put on CAMZIOS, <clears throat> then we need to, uh, first of all, have a very good understanding of where your ejection fraction is. Ejection fraction, most of you with HCM should know what an ejection fraction is. Ejection fraction is a number which determines the pumping function of your heart. So normal is about 55% and higher, 60% in HCM patients is mostly 60% and higher. So the FDA is strongly recommending in the form of a black box warning that A, you should know what the ejection fraction is. You should not give this drug to somebody with a reduced ejection fraction. And importantly, you should monitor these patients to make sure the ejection fraction stays within normal range. And if it does not, by way of echocardiography, then it is time to to interrupt the medication or it's time for action. That's that's what it means.
0: Okay. So the black box warning on Cambios, Mava, um, is that you need to monitor with echocardiography the ejection fraction as you titrate the dose up or down. So you start at five and at week four, week eight, and week 12, there must be an echocardiogram. Now, this isn't like maybe at week five and maybe at week 10 and maybe at week 14, this is week four, eight, and 12. And this is going to be a little bit of a logistical balancing beam for individuals, clinicians and patients to manage that ECHO. And it it may become a little bit troublesome for some people to schedule this out. But it's critically important if you're going to take make the commitment to try this agent, you're going to have to follow the rules. They're there to protect you, you will not get a refill on your prescription without the ECHO being done. So you can't just say, oh, well, just give me my refill. I'll do it later. No, getting this drug is gonna be very different than what most people with HTM have ever experienced with a pharmacy before. This is going to be dispensed only by a specialty pharmacy. There are double checks in order to make sure that the echo has been done, the doctor has signed off, the patient knows there's going to be extra steps here. It's gonna be a little bit of a pain for a while to get this because that's the safe way to deploy this so you're going to get these echoes and i want to take i'm going to to take an off script moment in a sense the label says it should be dosed well i just came off the bms investor call where i got a little bit more information than was in the press release as well so they're recommending that centers of excellence be the mechanism for disbursement of navicampton Uh, The HCMA is the only organization that recognizes centers of excellence for HCM so you're really good to go to our list and try to have one of those doctors prescribe for you. There is a co-management strategy that the HCM center like Dr. Desai could prescribe Navicampton and do your original echo. And they're suggesting that maybe a hometown cardiologist can do the follow up echoes because they're really looking at ejection fraction rather than outflow tract obstruction. While that can be done, I would argue that it's probably safer to let the HCM program that you're aligned with manage this while you're titrating up for those first 12 weeks. And then you'll be getting echoes every three months thereafter. And just out of safety at the onset of this, I would highly encourage people to try to get back to their center of excellence for those first three echoes to make sure that your ejection fraction is what we think it is. Um, Melinda, any comments on that?
1: so you raise a few important points uh the first and foremost is there's a reason for designation of experience center center of excellence is because you know it's it's not that there are better machines it is just a the team approach which looks at things uh in a specific way uh, where you are uh, where there is checks and balances and 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 you know, reducing the room for error, number one. Number two, the other important thing, uh, what Lisa mentioned for uh, the, the, the monthly echo uh, business is at this point of time for you, the patient's safety. This is a first in class medication, first drug ever developed in the context of HCM specifically. So it, it's think, you know, look, I am a simple-minded human being. Uh, you know, I remember when my first kid was born, how how much on eggshells we were taking care of our first kid. And you know, once you have your fifth or sixth ch- child, you are a pro basically at changing the diapers, et cetera. So uh, coming back to the real medication, uh, it is for your safety uh, to, to monitor the ejection fraction so that we don't In trying to do something good, we don't inadvertently try to uh, end up doing something that is not good. We don't want to create another problem by trying to solve the first problem. That is the important thing. And then this is a you know, you, the patient today, you know, and as they say in business parlance, customer is always right you the patient is the customer so at this point of time it is incumbent and important that you know that the echo that is going to be done for you is done right it is done by the appropriate people and it is doing something measurement of ejection fraction is a very basic thing it should be possible by any echocardiographer but we know that not all there there are heterogeneities in how the reports are generated etc so that's why we want to make sure that it is done right it is done you know it could be done in a co-management strategy absolutely it could be done but make sure at least for the first few months uh your hcm cardiologist is in the loop with the echocardiogram i mean you know ideally do it at the center where you got the drug prescribed, if that is not entirely logistically possible, you know, what I'm gonna tell my patients is as follows, you know, I definitely wanna look at that echo. Okay, and and look, this is 2022, we just came through, or we are still in the midst of a lingering pandemic. We, we've figured out ways how to deliver care effectively uh, through tele and this and that. So, you know, these things, but, but the important thing, the first and, The most important thing I'm going to tell you is it is for your you know it is out of an abundance of caution that we do the right thing, and this is it, you know. We gotta make sure and the rules that are put in place at the pharmacy about documenting an echo before proceeding, they are for your safety. Basically, it doesn't mean that we are giving you a medication that's gonna make you sick or whatever, I mean, the the proportion of patients who drop their ejection fraction is very small, okay? But you do not wanna be the one that, you know, it's like uh, flying an airplane or flying in an airplane today is extremely safe, but that doesn't mean that the pilot stops checking um, before he takes off the plane. That is the analogy here.
0: Okay, so we've gone over who it's for. Obstructive Symptomatic HCM, New York Card, New York Card Association, class two and three. We've gone over the dosing in the first three months. I'm gonna get into payment and, and programs for that in just a moment. Let's just talk a little bit more about the, the clinical deployment of the agent. After you have your first three months, your, your not, not three months, four, eight and 12 week ECHOs, then they go to every 12 weeks and you're still gonna follow up with that. There are some drug-to-drug interactions here, and I was hoping Dr. Desai could talk about what drugs might impact the way mabicamptin, cambios, actually absorbs into the body and what could interfere in that, um, because they are some serious um, potential clinical complications from some drug interactions, which can be easily avoided. And I think off the bat, we're gonna do well at remembering this, but later on, as we get a little bit more comfortable, people may forget these parts because they're common over-the-counter drugs that might interact. Can you explain that, please?
1: So again, some of these words are heavy words, and I will simplify those. So CYP2C19 inhibitors. Uh, so so and it, exactly. So the simple thing is I will simplify it. Again, simplification is my middle name. Is it, it, I. First of all, talk to your doctors. The folks who are prescribing, a, a common drug, a common type of drugs is the drugs that we use for acid reflux. Uh, so there are some drugs with acid reflux that will interact with this medication. So you just have to switch to to another type that are commonly available. So my simple, I, I'm not gonna, List the entire list of drugs right now. We will be in, I, 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 and I don't want to create more confusion or angst than necessary. But suffice to say, like uh, there are certain type of and uh, these P, the Sip Sip C nineteen inhibitors. That's the 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 doctor way of saying it. That we have to be careful about. And if you are on one of those, then you you have to get off of that before we we initiate this. But This is something that your pharmacist is going to be hyper vigilant. Your doctor is going to be hyper vigilant, and you, again, you are the customer. The customer is always right, but the customer also has to be careful, uh, and you have to ask the right questions.
0: So basically, acid reflux medications need to be confirmed with your healthcare provider team to ensure that they're not bothering the absorption or processing of Camzio's. That's the short version of that. Um, so we know that we were expecting FDA approval back in January and they, they paused it because they wanted to create something called REMS. Can you talk a little bit about what a REM is and how that's actually going to be played out now that it's available? What, what do we have to do?
1: Yeah, so I will start by saying, uh, I will tell you what I know. Uh, considering the fact that the drug was approved less than 12 hours ago, uh, I will do my best. But REMS stands for Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategy. It is careful monitor in in simple English, what it means is careful monitoring for the right dose. We don't want to overdo. So, again, as I alluded to earlier, we want to create a safe milieu where we are relieving symptomatic obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. In our overzealousness, if we get overzealous, we don't want to go the other way where we are taking a hypercontractile or a heart that is beating very vigorously to a heart that is. Beating weekly. So, so that, so the the FDA has put this risk evaluation and mitigation strategy or REM strategy where me, the provider, has to log on to a website and certify myself, meaning I have looked at the, the, the rules of the game and I sign off on the rules of the game. Number one. Number two, you, the patient has to also do the same. Look, this is is a team sport and and this is a team sport that involves your heart, okay? So it is my responsibility to make sure I'm doing the right thing. It is your responsibility also that you understand the rules of the game. Uh, So that will involve you logging on and understanding. And of course, the pharmacist, Again, Lisa alluded to you know some somebody has to do the checks and balances. You know before I prescribe you the next month's medication, have you done what you were supposed to do? So these three steps have been put in place, at least at the present time, to to make sure it is rolled out appropriately. Now look, I nobody pr- can predict the future. Okay, a year, two, three from now, we are we. Are, we hopefully have substantial experience with this class of medications, this drug specifically, and say,, eh, you know, uh,
0: we don't need to do that anymore. We do that.
1: and yeah. and they may get rolled back uh, some of these re- regulations and and we will evolve there. but but this is to make sure, you know, to another point is this is to make sure right now the labeling does not involve, Non-obstructive apical HCM. So we want to make sure that there is no uh, willy-nilly, for the lack of a better medical term, there is no willy-nilly uh, overutilization of this drug in the wrong patients. Because we we don't want to, you know, once it's out in the market, then you don't want uh, things to go awry.
0: I'm going to pause there for a second and talk about um, a concept that we've been talking about a lot, and it's shared decision making, and I'm gonna take that to the next level and say shared responsibility. Um, we are all in this together. and this this is actually a historic moment, and oddly, HCM is at the center of it, which is completely wonderfully bizarre to me at this point. Um, this is the FDA approved a class of drug that never existed before. They put, controls on it that they've never done before that i'm aware of i can't find any example of the fda approving a drug based on echocardiography dosing like that just people this didn't happen and that means that a lot of people had to take a step away from the normal and say the normal doesn't work for hcm but if you're in the hcm community you've known that for a long time we kind of have to make our own rule book because our hearts function a little bit differently than others So there's some risk here that we have to take as patients and we have to work with our physicians and we have to work with industry and the FDA. So we're all in this game together and we all need to deploy this carefully to the right patient population, slowly, effectively, monitoring the whole time so that we make sure that we don't do bad things that were not intended. So it's going to be slow. I know there's a lot of excitement and we've been looking at this excitement for years building up and patients who have been in the clinical trials pause, thank you all so much for being in a clinical trial for a brand new first in class drug that took bravery, that took time and commitment. So thank you all, thank you. So to those brave souls who went first, we've asked them within the community not to speak about their experience for fear of biases, conscious and subconscious biases of the rest of the community. So in our social media feeds, we have kept you quiet, you may speak now, it is an approved drug, And you can share your experience and they're already doing so. I've been hearing the experiences for quite some time. So there's some excitement here, because a good percentage of patients who've tried are doing well. But it's not for everybody. It didn't work for everybody. So we need to have caution in dosing, caution in prescribing, and we have to manage expectations. It's not going to be it for everybody. We've been through dual chamber pacing, it wasn't it for everybody. We went through alcohol septal it isn't it for everybody. Myectomy isn't it for everybody. But Mavicampton, Canvios, may be a great opportunity for some, but it does come with responsibility. Comments on that, Malin, before oh, I get on no. to payments.
1: So, so I cannot agree more about two words that you said, shared responsibility. This is shared responsibility. We are in this together. Uh, look, at the end of the day, <laughs> this disease was discovered about 60 years ago. Uh, and we are here we are here a targeted uh, therapy so so it is let's take it for what it is that we have come a long 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 way but you know we have uh, trepidation is not the right word it is we have to be appropriately cautious we have to appropriately question everything we do we not not me not you We, we do. Uh, And, and that, and, you know, again, I go back to raising your first child syndrome. You know, all of us can relate to the fact that at least those of us who have more than one child, you know, you were hyper careful with your first child because that was a new experience for you. So, so it is, but we are truly, you know, this is step one and like, like Lisa says, we are expanding the size of the tent okay we have more we are making the tent of offerings bigger and once you get into the tent the buffet table just got a lot significantly larger and it will continue to grow that's the way i think about it
0: okay so i call it tools in our toolbox we have another tool in the toolbox that we can deploy and we have more opportunities which means more hope and which means more Chances for patients to feel better, so this is all good stuff with this big caution umbrella that i'm throwing on top of everything saying, ladies and gentlemen, I know there's excitement, please go slowly. Follow the rule book, the rule book was set by a lot of very thoughtful cautious people, including federal regulators and you know FDA takes a lot of guff they really do, but in this case, I think they may have hit the mark right. And I am really happy that they weren't too afraid to take this action. But if you don't follow the rules and something bad happens, it looks bad for the whole drug and the whole concept. So you gotta follow the rules, people. You gotta follow the rules.
1: <laughs> Lisa, I I will say you are one hundred. I mean, you know, you are right. I I meant to say that earlier. Is look. New things, new therapies require a new way of thinking, you know you cannot solve new problems with the old way of thinking, you know that's I think Albert Einstein said something along those lines, so you know. This is a new it's not a new disease, but it's a new way of managing disease, we do it like this uh, and and. In order for us to do it right to our patients, ultimately it is patients first. That's all that matters. We have if we have to create a new set of rulebook, so be it. And I applaud the folks who have helped create this new rulebook and the FDA for 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 doing what they have done. You are absolutely right.
0: Okay, I know the big question is, but can I afford it? And I'm going to start backwards. I'm going to start with the programming that has been set up and i can tell you i have tested my patient advocacy skills to the highest degree over the past year and a half working with with bms directly to ensure that when this launched it launched with a robust patient assistance program and the, the the websites are rolling out over the next three or four days so as they become available you will get access to them from the HCMA site, we'll push you right on over there, and BMS will be pushing patients right on back to us. So we're working collaboratively here. So A, there are a couple of different groupings of individuals and how you get access to healthcare. Um, Number one, this is an American approval only. So if you're outside of the US, you're gonna have to wait a while for approval in your country. So we are specifically speaking to the American population right now. Um, If you have private insurance, any of the the big insurance companies, Blue Cross, Cigna, uh, Kaiser, any any of the private pay healthcare assistance. There is a copay assistance program available. There will be a patient assistance line. They will sign you up. You have to sign up through them to get these patient assisted discounts. We'll talk about that in just a second there's also a nurse navigator program they will remind you when your echoes are coming up and they will help make sure that you understand how to fill the prescription and make sure all your paperwork is in order and help you through that process there's a whole team of people waiting there to help you so don't feel like you know you're lost in the abyss we're going to guide you to them they're going to guide you through the process and then you're going to come back on into the community and you're going to you're going to be okay The copay assist card for private insurance will be $10 a month for your prescription. The first 35 days are for free so that they can get your insurance approvals through while you're dosing up in your first month. So everybody can get access for the first month for free while they're getting your insurance approvals in place. And all of this information, you don't have to take notes, it's all going to be up on a website. So I'm just trying to let you understand the scope of what's going on. If you are, I believe it's VA and DOD, um, the co-pays will probably be less than $10 a month, possibly free um, for those two access points. If you are Medicaid, um, there will be payment assistance programs available. They take about 30 days extra per state to kind of roll out. Um, It takes them a little bit while to, to get that done. So maybe, you know, June, July, August, you'll start to be able to get coverage for the Medicaid population that's going to roll out slowly. Um, again, you know, it's going to happen and the co assist card will probably be less than $10 a month. The tricky area is the Medicare patient. Um, Medicare, by regulation and federal language, you don't qualify for a patient assistance program in the same way as private insurance does. It's about taxes, and government, and we need to change this. Build Back Better bill had some language in there, but that died. So, we're hoping that some other legislation will come across so we can do some Medicare reform and that'll change things. But that's a different podcast. Um, But for this case, there will be some assistance available for reimbursement and copay assist through foundation uh, partnerships um, that are being established right now. All of these things take a little time to roll out. So, you not everybody's getting nevicampton next week um it's going to take months to roll this out people um you can't even get an appointment with your doctor next week if you wanted one because it takes a while to get an appointment so you can start plotting and planning like okay do i want to try this what is my insurance access what is it going to cost how am i going to do that you can do your due diligence now and set a plan and maybe it's not right for you to do it now because you don't have the ability To have your echoes every four weeks for the next couple of months but maybe in three months you have that availability or you can start planning that into your day now and you can look at your budget and you can look at your insurance and see what your access points are and what this might actually cost you but there are assistance programs there are also going to be and i think again the first time ever an echo copay assist card thank you for doing that but it needed to be done we have to guide this therapy with echocardiography. So there will be an echo payment assist card. Ta-da, it may cost you 10 bucks to get an echo. You know, that's the type of programming that is really going to make this accessible to people. Now I'm going to tell you something that may be a little shocking. Sorry, it's the price of the drop. It's, I think the actual price is $89,500 a year that's the labeled drug. But think of it like a label on a car when you go to buy one, it's really not the price. There's other things involved there. Um, So what the price is, what your insurance company negotiates, and what you actually pay, you know those are different things. Our system is kind of screwed up, people. It's just the way that it works. The important part is, will you have access and i think the answer for the majority of individuals is cost will not be prohibitive you will have access you will have copay assistance on your prescription you have copay assistance on your echoes and that's what i can tell you there's going as the, the new information rolls out and as these websites become live and as these phone numbers become live for the patient assistance program and the nurse navigator program through Bristol Myers Squibb we will be posting that on the HCMA page and we will point you right on over there. Um, I have some specific questions coming in now, Dr. Desai. Um, If somebody has a mid cavity obstruction, um, are they qualified to try Mavicampin? Cambios.
1: Cambios. (laughs) Well, at this point of time, what I'm going to tell is as follows hold off on that thought process because this is at this point of time left ventricular outflow tract obstruction dynamic LVOT obstruction so we want to under you know again there are downstream trials that are being planned uh, for what is the atypical so you know not LV so there are Trials being p- uh, planned for non LV outflow tract obstruction patients. So, uh, those, so I would hold off on that thought process at this point of time.
0: If anybody has any additional questions? Now would be the time to post them. Um, so, while they're posting questions, um, Melinda, what are you thinking today? <laughs>
1: You know, I don't, look, I am mostly a, a gregarious and, you know, uh, person, uh, or at least on the outset. You know, can I tell you one thing, Lisa? And I've, I think I've periodically talked about it. You know, I lost one of my best friends to hypertrophic cardiomyopathy at the age of 31. He left behind two kids under five. Okay, he did not die because their family did not have money. He died because he got suboptimal or there were opportunities for better advice that he could have gotten. He did not get good advice, okay? So, there is a certain animal that comes out of me anytime I'm dealing with a a complex or a symptomatic patient to a point where, I wanna do it right for them. I've been blessed to be in a place like Cleveland Clinic, which has allowed me to be able to work as part of a team that has, that gives me the ability to provide the full spectrum. But you know what? That team enabled us to take it to the next level and be part of a broader team where we we are now talking, oh my God, we are talking potentially disease modifying therapy. Are you kidding me in in our in, you know in a sixty year span, we are talking disease modifying therapy. There are so many people who we have to thank from the Sidemans who came up with the novel uh, concept, Cricket and John Seidman to to, you know, the folks at myocardia who, Took a chance on this drug to be a mess. And and you know what? Developing the drug is one part of the story, but developing a process of delivering the drug or monitoring the safety, you know, this echo business, I mean, what the heck? This is going to be a paradigm shift in how we take care of patients, not just HCM patients, you know, imaging driven monitoring, you know, at the my career started as an imager so this is like coming a full circle uh imaging driven endpoints for patients where we are monitoring for the safety of these patients and the last thing i'm going to say one thing you know all of us yes our healthcare system has opportunities to improve and cost and g- percentage of gdp and all that but you know the. It, At this point of time, if I'm a patient, I'm not looking at 89,500, it's how much am I gonna pay out of my pocket? So the fact that there are all these different mechanisms that have been put in place, the copay, the assistance program, the VA program, the Medicaid program, and this foundation, I mean, that's fairly ingenious if you, you know, and, and forget the ingenuity, it is long overdue this is how we should be doing good to our patients we cannot have the haves and the have nots we need to have this for all and 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 paying for echoes i mean you know look this makes me truly happy today To i mean and i don't say that lightly i truly mean it i truly mean it this is this is you know let's look let's forget the narratives you know who gets to go for S.R.T. who gets to go for no let's forget the narrative today, it is we are doing right by our patients and that's all that matters Mm -hmm. that's it that's you know I, I. I'm very happy today for my patients for you, I mean you are a patient, you are an advocate i'm very happy today.
0: Uh, there's a lot of people very happy today. Um, there were a lot of great questions on the investor call with BMS from from people that typically never said hypertrophic cardiomyopathy before, like from big investment houses in New York City. Um, asking very specific, how are you going to dose? and can you manage the echoes? I'm like, oh, look at you guys getting all HCM knowledgeable here. So um, to those investors who are listening, um, thanks. Um, those was a good questions. I think there's a there's a whole other audience here that I want to speak to for a second that I don't know we'll ever even listen to this the investor community um I, I maybe underestimated some of that importance years ago but when the concept of here's a here's a molecule and we think it'll work okay great you got a molecule think it'll work first time I actually heard about this molecule was on a street in Boston I was attending a a uh, an advisory meeting on on a genetics issue and Cricket Sideman was there and on the sidewalk she goes there's this thing going to happen I think it's going to be good (laughs) I'm like okay Cricket what's a spell and um, then I met the CEO of the company a couple months later and the rest is history so we are we wouldn't have gotten anywhere if venture capitalists didn't come to the table and put some money down you know I'm not going to name names but Some pretty wealthy people have spent some money on some pretty silly things lately. Um, And there is an opportunity to put money into good and invest in human existence and quality of life. So um, I encourage other investors to look at communities like this. We are happy to have you at the table and be partners. And there are a lot of other opportunities coming down the road where we can develop other types of therapies for HCM. And I'm kind of excited about the future because I think there's going to be
1: other great things coming as well. So I I um, make one comment, Lisa. It is also look, the venture, a little business hat here. uh, I mean, science has to always win over narratives. And this is great. Uh, This is evolution. but, But also another important thing that this small field and this Molecule or this discussion is doing is it is looking at the processes, not just the molecule. Here's a pill, go to the pharmacy, figure out how you're gonna take it. The pharmacist may give you instructions that you may or may not listen to fully. Uh no, here we are going through, we have thought through the process. This is how the delivery is going to be. This is what we are gonna do for your echoes or your monitoring that may add a burden of, you you may perceive it as a burden of inconvenience, but we are gonna make it better for you. We are make it less inconvenient for you. And if finances are an issue, then we are gonna think. So, you know, this is sort of soup to nuts conversation that we should be thinking about in all all of medicine. It, It cannot just be a molecule, it has to be the process, because ultimately the patient benefits or suffers from a suboptimal process. We've seen this in the last few years. You know, we have great, I mean, I'm not going to go political on it, but we have great treatments or things available. But if the process of getting, you know, like the president has says, you know, vaccines don't mean vaccinations, you know, for the lack of a better term, you know, they the jab has to go in. You know, you could so that's in that thought out process, I think, if it what my expectation and hope is, it's going to work. Well, uh, the process, of course, there'll be some growing pains, but but once the growing pains are done, you know, this is how we should be thinking about medicine as a whole.
0: I couldn't agree more. We have some more questions from the audience. So let's get back on topic. Does reducing the contractility affect the potential stiffening of the heart? Mechanistics, let's talk mechanisms
1: so this drug i'm going to use some heavy words uh, so this drug also has some lusitropic effects it, we are not going to get into the details of that but the expectation is that it will potentially also reduce improve compliance of your heart what is compliance is if your heart is stiff that is also an underlying problem with hcf so it the expectation is that it will potentially make the heart less stiffer. Number one. Number two, because it's a stiff heart, hypercontractile heart, an HCM heart uses energy inefficiently. And the expectation is that this drug would potentially also help use the or the energy, energy use will become more efficient. Now, I will say this: the current data is in short and intermediate term. We need longer term data of safety, as well as efficacy, as well as all these downstream effects. So, you know, Rome was not built in a day and neither is gonna be our knowledge base on on a new drug, novel therapy. So the the downstream years will help us. And the planned trial in non-obstructive HCM will shed more light because, you know, the. Not that it's ever good to have obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, but but obstruction is a nice low hanging fruit, if you ask me. You know, if you fix it, it makes you feel better. God is great. That is great. But the, the planned trial, the non-obstructive, there the drug has to demonstrate it not only makes you feel better, exercise more, but what does it do to to all these other parameters of stiffness and this and that, there's some preliminary data. There's preliminary analyses, papers published on echo on MRI, which show trends in the right direction. In fact, positive signals. But rubber, uh, long-term rubber needs to meet the long-term road for that.
0: So there's a bunch of questions about long-term mechanistic type issues. So I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to answer every question today because. That's not really what today's about. It's about the launch. But here's what I'm promising you all. I'm working on putting together a webinar. I will be having three or four clinical experts come to talk to you about patient selection, monitoring, um, the, the past research, the upcoming research. And then I'm going to have representatives from the BMS, Patient Support Services and Nurse Navigator Systems, Either available live or pre-recorded, so that you understand who you're talking to when you're calling BMS. That it's not just this, you know, voice on a phone somewhere. That these are real people who have been trained and who know what the needs are and that can walk you through the system. Um, we've been working very hard to make sure that this is going to be as simple as possible for a complex system. Um, there's a language you're all going to have to get used to if you wanted to try this drug, and it's called specialty pharmacy. And this means you are not going to be able to go to Walgreens and pick up a script of of camzio's. It's not going to be there. You're going to probably have a mail-in pharmacy. Um, There's going to be a whole process involved. Uh, When I had my transplant, I learned about specialty pharmacies because that's where I get my transplant medication from. It's where they put dangerous, highly effective, but very controlled substances so that there's an extra level of evaluation before it's dispensed. And it's a pain in the neck, but it's the way that it works right now. Eventually maybe it'll get better and easier, but it's an extra phone call. It's an extra few minutes on the phone. It's an extra process, but it's for safety. It's truly there to protect you. So in the coming weeks, we're gonna be planning this meeting. It may be about four to six weeks out cause I got a lot of other stuff going on right now. Um, so it will be time so that the internal systems at Bristol Myers Squibb can get up and running and they can go through a couple of patients, get the bugs out of a system. It's a new system for them too. So everybody needs to be a little patient here. So we'll let them get the bugs out. We'll let some of our centers of excellence prescribe a few patients out, see how the process goes, let them get the bugs out. And then we'll talk to you about the best way to evaluate whether you are a candidate and how you can get access to the drug and learn about additional trials that are coming up. There are trials outside of BMS's product. Um, Other companies are coming up with drugs. Cytokinetics has a trial coming up as well for another myosin inhibitor. So there will be other options available for people to try. And there are some other agents that are coming up. So we're not done with discovery. This is not the end of discovery. It is a finish line and it's a starting line. We have, this is the end of the beginning, or is the beginning of something new, I'm not quite sure, but it's a new day and it's an exciting day. I'm going to go through these questions one more time, see if there's anything else I can answer really. Um, Is this going to be an add-on therapy or is this going to be a standalone? Are we getting rid of beta blockers or are they still around?
1: So, uh... Well, at this point of time, you know, the way it has been tested in trials, so specifically the explorer trial uh, beta, this was added on top of beta blocker or added on top of single therapy. In the Valor trial, it was added on top of everything in the kitchen sink that you were on. Uh, So is there, you know, is there data which suggests that it should be a first line therapy? No, not yet. are there substantial number of patients who have side effects from beta blockers or disopyramide? Yes. So if you have side effects and, you know, you are not able to tolerate, look, I say this all the time as part of my presentations, drug side effects cannot be worse than the symptoms of your disease. Exactly. If you do not have to suck it up be just because, you know? So. If you are in that situation, then individual judgment-based conversations need to ha- be had with your HCM doctor. Uh, but in fact, at this point of time, the data, the true data was not based on isolated initial uh, therapy with with CAM-ZILES.
0: Well done from that. I saw the MAVA just about to pop out of your mouth when you changed. <laughs> it's gonna take us all a long time. It was first the investigational med, and then it had its MK number, and then it was MAVA, and then now we have to learn a whole new language. So I'm gonna slip back and forth. So get used to it, people. Um, okay. So I'm just trying to think if there's anything else we really need to go over today. Um I will say I had ideas early on when this molecule became obvious and like i wondered why somebody would spend so much time on hypertrophic cardiomyopathy um but then even in the investor call today there's a future trial planned for heart failure with preserved ejection fraction using Camsios, Um, and i think that's actually a really good thing for the hcm community because we're not it's, it doesn't stop with us. There was other utility of this agent potentially that will be investigated. And if it proves out, I think we'll see availability and cost maybe alter there too. So this is the starting line. We have so much to learn. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of urgency to get information. And I'm going to suggest everybody just take a moment, take a deep breath. We just finished a marathon and we're evaluating our performance and we're getting ready for the next one. This is going to be a long haul, it's not a sprint. So be cautious, be careful, don't get frustrated, don't be intimidated by the process. HCMA is gonna be here to help you through the process of all of this. We're partnering with BMS's Patient Assistance Program to make it accessible if you want to try. So it's an exciting day, not gonna lie, it's exciting. Um, And much like Melinda, you, you had your moments thinking of your lost friend. And I'm gonna do this without emotion here, I'm gonna try. Probably gonna fail. I've lost multiple family members. And probably more friends that I've met along the way that I've lost to HCM. I know more people with HCM than probably anybody else in the world. And thereby I've lost more friends than probably anybody else from HCM. To know that there's a new option available that may improve lives and extend life potentially, um, it's a good day. I can't help but think of my sister, my dad, my uncle, my and grandfather that I never knew. And, and then I think forward to my kid, my kids, niece, nephew, daughter, great nephew, all potentially or affected and think tomorrow is gonna be a little bit better for them. than it was for us. And we'll make the next tomorrow a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. I'm back to wearing my bracelet that I hadn't worn in a while. And it's a quote from Mary Oliver. And it says, tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. Mine is committed to bringing better care to patients with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy worldwide. And today, we can take a win. So with that, I'm going to sign off for now and let Melinda get back to his conference. And I am going to be getting on an airplane and going home from Memphis, Tennessee. And I will have two and a half hours of peace and quiet on an airplane (laughs) to process everything that has happened in the past 14 hours. Um, To the entire staff of myocardia, principal investigators, investigators, scientists, VC. patients, marketing people, communications experts, um, everybody, the acquisition team at BMS, from the lady who took my badge at BMS the other day when I went to meet with them, to Giovanni himself. Thank you all for bringing this day to us. However, (laughs) yours truly will keep your feet Firmly planted on the ground, and remind you every single moment that patients are at stake and we matter. So remember us every single day, and for that we will thank you. Melinda. Can
1: I? Yeah. Th- thank you, Lisa. Very well said. And you know, uh, yes, this is a good day for science, and this is what should drive all of us in the field of healthcare. And it certainly drives me uh, to, to 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 do it good for our patients. Ultimately, it is patients that matter. Patients first. That's it. Uh, patients first. Uh, nothing else should be uh, should be important in at this context. Uh, you know. Science will continue to evolve and that is a good thing. I am gonna end also by thanking, this is a team sport, you know, uh, my patients. I have to thank my colleagues. I have to thank the partnerships that we have fostered with organizations like HCMA, uh, the industry partnership and, you know, my. Office staff the folks that help keep me grounded and and keep me moving in the right direction and more, most importantly, I think you know I also have to thank my family members for a putting up with me and b you know supporting me all along so. Well, I think that, as you said, thank you very much, Uh, this is a good day, we should we should be happy and smell the roses once in a while.
0: I raised a glass last night, I'll admit, uh, and celebrated. And yes, um, two last people or group of people I want to thank, my family, because I've been traveling literally all over the country trying to make things happen behind the scenes, helping recruit for the early trials, working late hours, maybe not 100% focused on home when other things were going on as we are trying to build this world that we want to live in. Um, and again, clinical trial participants without them their bravery their courage and their time commitment this never would have happened so props to all of you we love you we thank you melin thank you for joining us facebook viewers thank you for joining us tales from the heart viewers you can get the links through um the description in the podcast um thank you to our sponsors of tales from the heart for supporting us to be able to have these conversations and um, stay tuned for more information. Thank you all.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Have you
0: enjoyed this episode of Tales from the Heart? We hope so. Please visit us at 4HCM.org. Become a member, become a donor, become a volunteer. Great news, everybody. HCM Academy is now available online. What is it? It includes online sessions, learning about hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, patient stories, about HCM and their management, and an opportunity to join online live with an HCM specialist to go over the slides, ask questions, and dig deeper into your understanding and knowledge of HCM. All CME courses are free, and you can find them at 4HCM.org or at theHCMacademy.com. The Big Hearted Warrior Tour continues. For the latest dates, please check 4HCM.org, and thanks to our sponsors, Bristol Myers Squibb, Cytokinetics. INVITE and Boston Scientific. Did you know discussion groups are available at 4hcm.org Monday through Friday, almost every day you can find a discussion group whether you're interested in learning more about ICDs, premyectomy, screening your family. There's a discussion group for you, even if you just want to learn how to balance your mental health we have that too. So please join us for one of our live discussion groups moderated by a peer volunteer and you can sign up in advance at 4HCM.org. Just check the calendar for events. Please contact the Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy Association at 4HCM.org or by calling our office at 973-983-7429. You can contact the HCMA by email at support at 4HCM.org. Tales from the Heart, a podcast from the HCMA, is made possible through sponsorship from Boston Scientific, Cytokinetics, Tenaya, Invitae, and Boston Scientific.